You don't have to be a machine learning engineer to help make the future a smarter place. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The market had been going up for a while. Nothing goes up forever. If you have been away from your television set and haven't heard about the stock market, this was it. The market declined approximately 23%. It was probably the scariest time of in my 16 years at the SEC, that Monday and into Tuesday. But the idea was to create a factual reconstruction of what happened. Meanwhile, in downtown New York, you had the American Stock Exchange. And that's where Nate Most and Steve Bloom were working together. These are market nerds. So we were hoping that they would take the bait, so to speak, and the Amex did. This is Trillions Presents. I'm Joel Weber. Over the course of this podcast, we're going to be sharing the story behind the ETF. In our first episode, we got into what happened on October 19th, 1987, or Black Monday, when the stock market crashed. Every American at this stage of the game needs to get their house in order. And also the response of the federal government and regulators. I'd say for the next three months through early January, a bunch of us had two jobs, which was, you know, investigating what happened and writing the report up and doing our day job. So the feds want to make sure this never happens again. And the SEC starts digging to find answers and a way to prevent another crash like this one. Which brings us back to these two guys, Nathan Most and Stephen Bloom. Nate Most was in his 70s with a background in physics and commodities trading, among other things. And then there's Stephen Bloom, who at 27 was fresh out of Harvard with a PhD in economics. And the two of them were teamed up at Amex to create innovative products for the exchange. They had just read the SEC's 1987 market break report and were beginning to toy with an idea for a new financial tool, one modeled after a section that they'd read in the report. What the SEC effectively did was to provide the sketch, right? It's almost like drawing on paper of what they would envision as a market basket instrument. So what most and Bloom did was to take this sketch and fill out all the colors, make it into sort of a full-blown painting, if you will. But instead of a painting, it was a legit product that was given back to the SEC that was above and beyond what they initially put down in their sketch. And here's that initial sketch read by one of its artists, who you'll remember from episode one, the SEC's Howard Kramer. We suggest that an alternative approach be examined. Presently, program trades must be broken up and distributed around the stock floor with the resulting substantial transaction costs and effects discussed above. The creation, however, of one or more posts where the actual market baskets could be traded might alter the dynamics of program trading. The availability of basket trading on the NYC would, in effect, restore program trades to more traditional block trading techniques. The basket specialists would be able to identify the nature of each trade 
We are hopeful that this would encourage block positioners to again become active in providing capital to position the program blocks. While arbitrage would continue to flow directly to the individual stocks to maintain their pricing efficiency, other institutional trades could be focused on the basket posts where the specialists and trading crowd could provide an additional layer of liquidity to the system and cushion somewhat the individual stocks from the intraday volatility caused by program activity. Okay, that was a little dense. Eric, can you help us make sense of what that means? What they're basically outlining here is, look, you're going to have a product that represents a bunch of stocks. It's going to be traded by market makers, and it's going to be physically backed. After the SEC publishes this thing, Kramer says he remembers getting a slew of phone calls about the report. The report came out, what, sometime in early 88, so um, I'm guessing, you know, this is just a guess, you know, six months later, eight months later, something like that. Then he hears from most in Bloom. And they're like, hey, you know, we we noticed that you have this suggestion in the report and uh, we'd like to hear a little bit more about it. And there are some discussions back and forth. I highly respected Nate Most and Steve Bloom. They were rocket scientists at that time in, in that sense of the word. And they were really good at and adept at developing new products. Myself and others in the division had some discussions, and at some point, I don't remember when, they they probably sent in a draft, a prototype and a draft of what they were talking about. Kramer and the others at the SEC are not the only ones with whom they share this prototype. Most took the idea to Jack Bogle, who was running Vanguard at the time. Bogle says he gets a cold call from Nate Most. And it's important to note here that Jack Bogle may be the most influential investor of all time, even more so than Warren Buffett. Bogle basically invented indexing and founded the behemoth Vanguard, whose low-cost mutual funds have helped millions of Americans retire. So it's a big deal to just cold call him, and he has very clear thoughts about Wall Street and investing, namely watch the fees, diversify, focus on the long term. But Bogle says Nate was different than all the other cold callers he's had through the years. But he was not a promoter type. Uh, you could warm up to Nate most. And maybe he's he more my type of guy than some flashy used car salesman, if you will. So most gives Bogle an outline of his proposal. The proposal was that we would let him use our S&P 500 for his spider. As, as it, I guess it was called then. Anyone who knows Jack Bogle knows that that's like, you know, how am I going to say this? That's borderline insulting. I mean, he's so anti-trading. He wants you to go in the fund and, like, never touch it for 25 years. And he said he wanted to come down and talk to me about it. And I said, fine. He seemed like a nice person. And he came into my office on a Monday morning. And he was not a nice person. He was the nicest person I've ever met in my life. And I said, however, Nathan, Mr. Most, Nate, the proposal you sent me last week doesn't work. It has these three flaws. And you're going to have to get them fixed before you can ever do anything with it. The way he told me the story later was he got back on the train and fixed the three things and got on the next train to State Street. (laughs) Bogle says he doesn't remember what those three things were. Wasn't that the big concern was you're going to just rack up costs for the buy and hold people if you let this thing trade all the time? You know, Eric, I'm sorry, but age has taken its toll. Hey, he remembers the meeting, though. We had a nice meeting. We parted friends. And uh, I like that. You know, you can have different ideas with people and don't... (laughs) What are ideas? 
ideas are a dime a dozen and friends are much more important. So whether or not it was on that train ride back from meeting with Bogle, Most goes back to the drawing board, or more specifically, back to his days of running the Pacific Commodities Exchange. And there you had these warehouses that would store the commodities. Let's say you had like soybean oil, and you would take your soybean oil in, store it in the locker, and you get a receipt. And the receipt, then you could trade with somebody without having to move merchandise. So most thought, well, what if we took that model of commodity warehouse receipts and instead of the actual physical commodity, we just made it the 500 stocks in the S&P 500. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents. People who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. So this concept of the receipts trading back and forth, that trading does nothing to the soybean oil sitting in the warehouse, or in this case, the stocks. That is a way to keep the investors from incurring costs from people who are trading. Most and Bloom now have their idea. It's been vetted. Now they have to name it. And they go with Spider, S&P for the S&P 500, and DR for Depository Receipts. And to me, that is the heartbeat of the ETF. And that's what made it a very special product. And you have to know that at this time, Nate Most and Steve Bloom weren't the only people thinking about indexes being able to be traded like that. There were several other types of versions, but most of them had a a variety of issues. And just like any invention, you know, Steve Jobs and Wozniak weren't the only two guys in a garage. There were plenty of people in Silicon Valley working on things like that. They just happened to just get the right way to do it. And in this case, it was the creation redemption mechanism, I think, that gave SPY its edge. That creation redemption mechanism is ultimately what they put into the SPY filing. They filed it with the SEC, and then they had to wait. And this is where a superhero comes in, Spider-Woman. I got that nickname right around the time we launched Spiders. You may remember her from episode one. Her name is Kathleen Moriarty. My legal assistant, Debbie Ferraro, gave me a present. It was a front cover of a comic book with, like, the Hulk going after some, you know, huge monster. And she doctored it all up, and she made the Hulk me, and she made the monster of the SEC, and she changed all the numbers to make SEC things, and, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek. And then she wrote Spider-Woman on the top of it, and it's still in my office. 
next time on Trillions, we'll hear more from Spider-Woman about what it was like to actually design Spy. People were afraid that a lot of arachnophobes would be turned off and not (laughs) want to buy the ETF. But we ultimately called it Spider anyway. Oh, and in case you are wondering what Jack Bogle thinks of ETFs. Well, an ETF is just another form of index fund. A sort of bastardized form, for the want of a better word. Thanks for listening to Trillions Presents. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Trillions Presents is produced by Jordan Bell. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.